Amen. Good morning, church. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. 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 I say it every time. We got to be intentional. We got to be intentional. The Bible tells us when we walk into his courts, we are to do that with praise. We are to do it with thanksgiving. So what I want you to do just for a second, I just want you to think of the goodness of the Lord, and then I want you to respond to the Lord with some praise. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God is good, isn't he? God is good. God is good. I am so happy to be here. I am I am so grateful to be here. It's been, it's been a, a, a bit. My wife and I were talking the other day, and we, we were so happy we were here last Sunday. And just, you know, Pastor Tyler, he delivered some meat last week. I mean, that, that was a meal full of protein. <laughs> and we're going to do the same thing this week because I love this series we're in. It just feels so good to be back with family. We've been traveling, a lot of stuff we've been involved in. But it's so good to be back with family. Can I just tell y'all, I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. I do. Come on. Come on. I love y'all. Okay. And, and you know, usually when I have to start off like that, it's because I'm about to swing some, you know, I'm about to throw some jabs at you, okay? But it's all in the love. It's all in love. And so we're finishing up this series called Gospel Fluency. Gospel Fluency is the last week. If you have not seen the previous ones, you need to see them. You need to watch them. You need to be, you know, uh, take notes on them. And I will also tell you today, it's a good idea to take notes. It's a good idea to take notes. Here, here, here's just a basic reason for it. If you had to count the number of sermons you've heard over your lifetime, it's probably a lot. But if you can recall all of them, I'm giving you a whole lot of credit. But if you've actually taken a note, you can go back. And review it, look at it. Even God himself had to put his word in writing. So it might be a good idea to do the same. Okay? Now, I will tell you, part of the reason is our desire, our goal, is not just to, this series called Gospel Fluency. It's gospel, it means good news fluency. That means I am fluent in the good news. I'm not occasionally hearing about it, but I can speak it, which then leads to meaning I can live it. I know it. And I will let you right know right now, the devil is afraid of what you know, especially in terms of your identity or who you are. Now, let me change something. Let me make this point for good. Y'all know my background, especially in sports. I don't care how talented an athlete is. The most talented, skillful athlete in the world, if he's confused, He's not effective. So no matter how much time, no matter how fast he can run, how far he can jump, all that stuff, if he don't know the place, if he doesn't know where he should be, he's ineffective. And the enemy has one goal. He feels like he can win as long as we're ineffective. And that means as long as we're confused, more importantly, as long as we're ignorant of who we are. And so this message today is to, you know, culminate the, the series we're in, but to grow our understanding, our fluency in the good news of the gospel. Now, this, this, this sermon is called Good News versus Good Advice. 
See, what's happening is we've actually used this Bible, used this Bible as it's an advice manual. As it gives us good advice on how to live and good advice. But here's the problem with advice. How many of you have ever been in a mess and people just feel it's important for them to give you good advice? Show hand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're in the middle of something and they're running you with good advice. Man, I ain't gonna lie. I understand good advice, but good advice still depends on me doing something with that advice. And sometimes the mess I'm in, I don't need good advice. What I need is some good news because good news means it's already done. Good news means something's already happened and I'm being made aware of it. And once I become aware of it, it changes how I look at it. It changes my perception because something's already taken place. More importantly, when it comes to good news, the good news is we've already won. The good news is if you read the end of the book, we win. The good news is you didn't do nothing to earn it. The good news is you've been saved by grace, unmerited favor, by faith, lest any man should boast. That means your good works, well, no matter what you think they are, has not earned you anything. It was what he's done for you. That's the good news. The enemy's goal is to confuse you or to cause you to forget that truth. The minute you forget it, it makes you ineffective. And so the whole goal today is to equip us in what's already happened. <laughs> it's called playing from victory, not playing for it. It's praying from victory. It's not praying for victory. It's functioning as if you already know the end of the story because you do. Said before, it's like walking into the movie. Walked in the movie one day, and when I got in the movie, I, I got in before the, the first movie, before my movie started, was over. And so I got to see the end before it started again. But I went through the movie when I got to see it again, a lot different than the rest of the audience. Because I was like, I don't care what happens, that joker ain't dying. <laughs> I ain't freaking out when he's hanging over a cliff. Because I know he lives. I saw him at the end. <laughs> do you get this? You do realize that if you know this book, you become fluent in the book. Those are the kind of answers you already get. So there's times you're freaking out. And it makes no sense when you already know how the story ends. When it's in you. So our goal right now is how do I make sure I'm aware of the good news? I become Aware, cognizant of it. So in order to do that, I need to start in Romans chapter 5. So turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Right? And the first good news, or the first point of this good news I want to tell you is we have been made right. So say it with me again. We've been made right. Okay, I'm going to ask everybody to say it again. I did not ask you to do burpees or do sit-ups or push-ups. I just ask you to speak with me and say it out loud. Say it with me again. We've been made right. Okay? Now, it's important that you say it out loud. We've been made right. So let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse number 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So we've been made right, and we have peace 
not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Look at verse number two. Because of our faith, okay, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. I want to pause right there. Keep the scripture up there. But I want to pause right here. We have been made right. We understand that. We have peace because of what Jesus has done. This scripture right says is because of our faith, our belief in him, he's brought us to this undeserved place, this undeserved place of privilege, this undeserved level of privilege, which means we've been brought to this place of grace, unmerited favor, unearned. See, this is good news. Good news talks about what's already happened, not what you need to do to get here. You've been elevated because of what he's done. You're standing at a different place. My grandma, you say it all the time. She goes, baby, we all live at such a level beneath our privilege. He's brought us up to a level up here, but we're still functioning down here. It's not because he hasn't already done it. It's because we're down here. And we think if I cry hard enough, if I complain enough, if I do all this stuff enough, it'll elevate me and God will come and fix it. No, he's already fixed it. Now, those of you who may not be aware of me, because I don't have a whole lot of time, I like to just get to it. So please don't be offended. Please don't be bothered that I might be challenging you. Here's what I tell every group. The part of you that's offended by what I'm saying isn't the part I'm talking to. I'm talking to the greatness in you. I am not talking to the weakness in you. I'm not talking to the part of you that wants to make excuses. I'm talking to the part of you that wants to make adjustments. The part of you that's like, enough is enough. I want to live up to the privilege that he's died for me already for. That's who the part of you I want to speak to. The devil's not afraid of the one that makes excuses. He's afraid of the one that when they find out just who they are, whew, the devil knows he's in trouble then. So that's the part of you I'm speaking to right now. So in this word right here, look at the second part of verse number two. It says, we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Put up verse number one for me again, my friend. What is the first word you see there? Therefore. So therefore, since we have been made right, here's the, we're going to do a little teaching in here. See, it's not enough to just hear the good news and think you're fluid in the good news. Many times it's not that we're fluent in good news. We like the good news, but we only live by the, you know, the, the, the what, what's the, what do we do? Live by uh, the headlines. We don't actually get into the depth. We don't actually live by the story. And we're living in a time in an age where nobody gets the whole story. We like to just make complete assumptions based on a headline. We don't get into the story. I mean, we got all kinds of opinions. Did you hear about? No, you just heard about. The, the, the real question is, do you know about? Did you actually see what's underneath? So when you see a word, a word like, therefore, it's important that you ask another question, which is, what is therefore, therefore? Okay. What's before that? What is he talking about? If you just read, we've been made right, and that's all you see, that's a problem. So what do we do? In order to read Romans 5, it's probably important to know what happened in Romans 4. We've been so, can this follow here? This is just a teaching moment. 
We read the Bible because it's been, we've been conditioned to read it because it's chapter 5, chapter 4, chapter 3. It's broken down in scriptures. Paul sent a letter. He didn't break it down like this. So if you just jump into the middle of the letter without background, that will make a whole lot of sense. So it's important to know substance under this good news. you got to know this good news, which means there's probably a good idea that you're going to have to spend some time studying the good news, reading the good news. It's not Twitter. I saw this. Now I'm good for today. No, what is he talking about? Now, I tell groups this all the time. Want to get all this, you know, out of the way first. If your reason for not being deeper in the word, studying in the word, digging into it, because you're like, I don't really have time, or I got so much going on, or I don't know. Here's my question. Is, is what you're doing instead working better? If you're getting a return, doing something different, keep doing it. But the question is, there's probably a good chance you got some time to exchange for something else. I got to tell you, I can only watch SportsCenter so many times. I need some good news that will help me strengthen my faith to deal with the inevitable ups and downs that come my way. So when I'm going through something difficult and somebody says, hey, man, you know, I know you're going through difficulty, but, um, you know, but... Smile more, man. Be happy, man. Be a little more positive. I'm like, is that advice? But then somebody else who's gospel fluent will come up and say, hey, man, I need you to be a good chair. Is that advice? No, it's based on something true. I said, why? He says, because Jesus has overcome the world. Now that's good news. See, now, that, now you just change the whole scenario. I'm crying all night. And Purpose said, hey, don't be crying. Why not? Because it's just not good for you. It's not good for you to be crying. <laughs> but somebody who's fluent in the good news will come up and go, hey, man, you need to stop crying. Oh, or, you know, more importantly, go ahead and finish crying. I says, why? She goes, because weeping may endure for a night. <laughs> but joy comes in the morning. See, somebody, somebody who actually has the good news in them knows how to share that. And they're not just sharing what they heard. They're sharing what they know. This is what we talk about being good news fluent. That means I know how to use this stuff to equip me to win. And if you think you could get that just showing up occasionally on a Sunday, trying to offset six days of, not more importantly, six days, 6.9% of the week, because you're here for 1% of the week, right? right? <laughs> but to be able to get all that, in Crane, you got to spend time in this. So be, to make sure we understand what therefore means in terms of being made right, we go back to Romans chapter 4, reading verses 1 through 3. It says this, pull that up. It says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? Boom, there's a question. So just assuming, seeing the statement, we've been made right, i got to know why we've been made right. And his answer right here, he says, what did he discover about being made right with God? And we're not just talking about anybody. We're talking about the father of our faith, Abraham. Look at verse number two. It says, if his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. 
But that was not God's way. For the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, this is critical to know. I mean, your theology, this is critical to your theology. This is critical to your walk. If you actually believe when I act right, I can make God indebted to myself, you are off. I don't care if you've been saved 40 years, you off. You spent 40 years with a little bit of theology way off. Because you actually believe I went a month without doing some stuff wrong, and why ain't this happened yet? Or on the flip side, I've messed up and I'm about to, you know, my whole world is over. Both sides are arrogant because they are not based on the truth. The truth is you can't put God in debt to you simply because you're trying to act right. The motive of acting right isn't to put God in debt. The reason we behave is because we trust him. The reason we behave is because we believe him. It just makes sense. It's out of love. It isn't out of obligation that he's going to give me something as a result. And who discovered this first? Abraham. Now look what it goes on to say. Look at verse, uh, we talked about verses three, but I say it again. For the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. So what, how do we be made right? Let's hear it. How, do we, how are we made right? By faith. You are made right by faith. Now here's what's great. There's someone in this room just got set free. You were just set free. You have been carrying a burden of trying to do everything right. And many times you carry that burden. Why? Because that's how you were conditioned when you grew up. And you've allowed your experiences on earth to dictate your theology with God. This is why you got to get the word in you to offset, to filter out all that nonsense that the world is conditioned into you. God don't function like the rest of the world. You don't function like, look, I'm telling you right now. Sometimes I know I'm not supposed to, but sometimes I keep score. I know I'm not supposed to, but it happens. So I sit there and go, all I've done for you. <laughs> now, I may not say it out loud, but that conversation is taking place. But imagine serving a God who doesn't function like that. This is what's it's hard for us to believe, but this is crazy kind of love. This is a different kind of love. This is, a, this is an amazing love, right? Come on now, look. So we're made right because of our faith. Look at the next verse, uh, or the next point that's a good news. Here, this next point is we can rejoice when. Here's the good news, that we can rejoice when, right? Let's say that together. We can rejoice when. Now remember, the good news is because something has already taken place. It's not that we earn it. It's not that we put for it. It's already Done. So let's look at verse number three. Romans 5, verse number three. It says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Think about that. I run into another trial. I run into a problem. And I'm like, hallelujah. Rejoicing in the Lord. Oh, yes. I get to see God show off again. Woo, that's awesome. Now, I just gave you the ideal. <laughs> I didn't say it always like that. But the scripture says we can rejoice when. Now, it goes on to say, and verse 4, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. 
Verse 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. I've realized something. There's sometimes I place my hope in the wrong stuff. I place my hope in the wrong people. What's really crazy, I have the audacity to sometimes put my own hope in myself, and I know me. <laughs> But what I want you to hear on this point is you can't get to verse 3 without remembering verse number 2. And keep this in mind. The scripture says, so we can, we've been made right, point number one, good news, not based on ourselves, but based on him. Point number two is we can rejoice when new trials and problems come our way. Why? Because we still remember in the first point, it also said that because of Christ, he's elevated us to a different stand, to a higher level. We stand at a different angle. We see everything differently. It's his grace that moved us up higher. So the problems and the trials we're facing shouldn't be the same ones we was dealing with 15 years ago. We've been moved up. How do I make this point? Listen, the scripture calls us, says that we are to fly like eagles. So if you're an eagle, quit fighting chickens. Get out the chicken coop. You weren't made to be down there. You're still taking on the same nonsense you were taking on 10, 15 years ago. You're supposed to be flying above it. And we're crying and whining, Lord, if you just fix it. Lord's like, fix it? If you're the chicken coop, you should only be there to eat. You shouldn't be there trying to figure out how to fight. You're an eagle. Now, I say this with this level of intensity because sometimes we want God to drop what he's already equipped us with. He says, I've already given you everything for godliness. I've already, the good news is, it's already complete. The challenge is, you don't believe it. And this is why the Bible says, what's the fight? You're fighting chickens. That's the wrong thing to fight. The scripture says, it's the good fight of faith. It's faith that you're fighting. You're fighting for faith to believe the good news. And when you believe the good news, guess what? Everything changes. Everything changes. If in my faith scale, I'm at a two, and I'm taking a level five, and my problem's five, I'm overwhelmed. And instead of trying to figure out how to grow my faith, I'm figuring out how to pretend the problem ain't so big. Or I gather some other people who are overwhelmed by level five problems just to make me feel okay. And then I'm mad at somebody who comes and tells me, man, grow up. Literally, grow up. Grow. When you're green, you grow. That means when you're getting filled with nutrients, the word, prayer, you get bigger. And eventually the five problems don't need to change. Why? Because you did. So now I'm at a seven, that five, I'll see right above it. It ain't bothering me the same way. You know when you grow? It's when the same thing that used to freak you out in the past don't have a problem with you today. And they ain't changed as you did. That is the gospel. That's the good news. We don't have to freak out when you go through adversity. He says rejoice. Why? Be of good cheer because he's already overcome the world. Why are you acting shocked that you have a problem or that you have a trial? When God gives you a, a dream, when God gives you a plan, a vision, it's always going to be tested. Newsflash, you are going to have problems in this world. You are going to have trials and tribulations in this world. 
And with all that, you also are going to realize you're going to have everything you need to overcome them and experience everything you got. It's not dreams and visions we want. We want our fantasies to come true. That means it came true with no obstacle. That ain't a dream. And I have yet to see that articulated in the Gospels. So if Jesus went through trials, what do you think you're going to go through? But also look how Jesus fought the trial by telling Satan it is written. He used the word. So you got to know the word. Take follows here. I want you to look at verse number six, uh, Romans 4, verse 16. I'm going to read 16 through 20. It talks about how we can rejoice. And verse 16 says, so the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. Verse 17, that is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. Keep in mind, he told him he was the father of many nations and he had no kids at the time. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead, come on somebody, back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. What has God told you he's doing for you, has already done for you? There's zero evidence around, and you think there's stuff you're supposed to figure out. No, you're just supposed to believe him. In this very scripture, we, Abraham's telling us, man, there's times that you're going to believe God because he's God. He's the one who's going to get it done. Look at verse number 18. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God has said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Verse 19, and Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. And that's a good assumption to make. No, come on, it's, it's in the Bible so we can make it clear. When the seed is shaky, and the soil is kind of dried up. Not like it's in the Bible. Don't look at me. Okay? okay? When it's not very fruitful, and in the midst of that circumstance, you still believe God can make the most out of that? So here's my question to you right now. Make this personal. What have you assumed is dead? What have you stopped believing God for? Just because you don't see any evidence. Of, if he told you he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Now, this isn't an excuse to act a fool, but you need to understand something. Thinking that if I start doing all this stuff right, that's going to make that happen. No, what's going to make it happen is do you believe him? Do you believe what he says? The good news is it's already done. This is the God who calls things that are not as though they are. This is the God that turns the dead into life. He makes something out of absolutely nothing. If you got the faith to believe that he's going to take care of your salvation, that your eternal home is secure, how much more faith do you think you need to take care of what you're dealing with right now? That's just logic. And sometimes we overcomplicate. Oh, man, God's going to take my eternal salvation and make me live forever. But man, I got this challenge with my job right now, and I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> now, some reason I'm acting like this is because sometimes we gotta see it like this. 
There's sometimes where God is literally telling us, and it needs to cut through all the nonsense, which is grow up. Grow up. That's exactly what Tyler talked about last week. Grow up. That means mature. Mature in your understanding of this word. Grow in it. Now, we talk about Abraham and how he's credited with belief. But here's a hope, and I need this. This is the reason I love getting fluent in understanding the word. Abraham's a real man. Abraham's human, just like us. Abraham had some issues, too. Abraham was known to lie. He had some lying moments. He had some other stuff he didn't do right, but here's the big one. Yes, Abraham had to believe that God was going to still deliver what he said he was going to deliver. But he had some setbacks. You do know he had another son named Ishmael. So it ain't like he just believed God and didn't, do, and didn't mess up. He actually, in between Isaac, the promise showing up, he hooked up with him, man, with the blessing of his wife. Because they did not completely trust God that he was going to do it. And in spite of that, God, he kept believing God. I had some setbacks, but I got back on the, I got back on the, uh, on the horse. And God said, I'm still crediting you your belief in me as righteousness. Now, let me say this even more so. Some of us, we're believing God for this, and we're starting here. And we've made all kinds of bad decisions in between. That did not disqualify you. Because even if you made great decisions, that didn't qualify you. The bad decision, the good decision, it doesn't qualify you or disqualify you. It's your belief that God will still do what he says he can do in spite of me. And God credits that as righteousness. And when I start to believe that internally, it changes how I live. Almost all sin in my life is a result of unbelief. People think sin is, oh, I did, man, it's typically because I stopped believing God. Man, I would pay my tithes if I actually believed what the Word said. I'd actually be faithful, and I would actually do this, and I'd actually tell the truth if I actually believed what the Word says. So the battle is, i got to grow my faith. How do I do it? It tells us in Romans, it tells us so clearly. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Just spend time in it, read it, pray about it, and you will see what takes place. i got one more piece of good news for you. <laughs> my man. My man. Woo. Come on, ain't this good? Hey, hey, I'm going to bring it. Some of you are a little uncomfortable because you already see it's 11.04. It's like, oh, my God, he's over time. <laughs> Come on, y'all. <laughs> Stay with me. So the last part of good news that means already done is while we were still. So say it with me. Put that up, man. While we were still. One more time. While we were still. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse number 6 through 8. It says, when we were utterly helpless, come on somebody, Christ came at just the right time <laughs> and died for us sinners. In the middle of our helplessness, when we were utterly helpless, and I'm speaking to somebody right now, right now, as you feel utterly helpless, 
Christ has come at just the right time. Not after you got right, but in the middle of where you're at. He's died for you. Look at verse 7. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. That really hit me in the heart because I, I, I know Christ is amazing. God is amazing because that ain't me. I, you know, if I hold the door for somebody else and say thank you, I'm like, ingratitude just, oh my God. You mean I'm going to do that for you and you're not going to say thank you? But Christ died knowing a majority of people won't say thank you. And he died anyways because his love compelled him. Do you know what level of love that is? To love us so much that I'm going to die for you even if you don't say thank you for it. It's love that draws us. It's love, not our actions. This is why we call it the good fight. That's what Satan doesn't want you to know. He wants to make you believe like, I'm unworthy of the love. Yes, but his love covers even that. I'm undeserving. Yes, and his love is even greater than that. It's a love that's overwhelming. It's, it's amazing. We can't comprehend it. That's why we got to spend so much time in the Word so we can continuously be blown away by how much we're loved. Last scripture, verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Here's how I want to close. I'm asking Pastor Tyler to come up and he'll close us. But I want to give you just one key. In so many different disciplines, whether it's music, the arts, athletics, business, whatever it is, craftsmanship, whatever it is, when we see somebody reach a level of what we would call center mastery or excellence, what we have a tendency to do is value what looked like it came natural, like it was just easy for them. Oh, we're so impressed because they look so good. But it doesn't work like that. What they did is they stuck with the basics. I had a friend who was super talented. He was a musician. But he told me that he learned how to play by ear. So he never learned the fundamentals. So in other, other order for him to play, he would have to hear it played first. So he couldn't really do it on his own. So, so in order to really be good, he had a high ceiling, but he had a really low floor. So in order to lower the floor, he had to go back and start learning again and learning again and learning again. I'm talking about doing the basics, the fundamentals. And I asked him, I said, you're unique. Why? He said, why? Because I said, most people who's gotten away with doing it by ear don't value the work it takes to do it for real. And he says, the fact that you stepped back and did it is great. And he says, Eric, how does that look like in your world? Because mine is football. I said, it's no coincidence to me that the very best some of the best players, even this quarterback who I don't really care for in New England. <laughs> but man, he's good. <laughs> Ooh, he's good. But what he does every offseason is, it, this ain't a football example, I need you to hear this. He still does three, five, seven-step drops every single day. Now, if you're not a football person, you don't get it. It's like a musician who's the best in the world, but they know how important it is for them to still do the scales every single day. They don't get tired of the basics. So he does three, five, seven step drops, which is what you learn in fifth grade as a quarterback. He still believes he can do it. And you got these up and comers who show up in the league and feel like they're too good to do the basics. And that happens in the church every day. 
I ain't winning, but I don't need to go to Bible study. I don't need to go to prayer. I don't need to do devotion every day. I, don't, I want the quick fix. That's the problem. That seed becomes, grows, but it goes through something before it grows. It has to be buried in the dirt. It has to die. From, as, Jesus, as John the Baptist said, I must die. I must decrease for him to increase. This is the process we have to go through, church. We got to fall in love with the fundamentals. And when we do, we're going to see greatness take place. And the good news is, you didn't earn this. He's done it for you out of love. God bless you, church. God bless you. God bless you.